Hey, everybody, this is a preview of today's members episode. If you want to hear the whole thing, head on over to theconfessionalspodcast.com, hit the join button, and become a member today. Merkel Media. This was all circulating around the base that a giant had been killed, but no one was supposed to talk about it. I saw three long, bony fingers reach up underneath the door, curl up to grab it, and then disappear. When he came over to me, dude, he slithered over to me. And this giant comes out of the cave, and they're all frozen. And he starts running and firing at this giant. Well, the giant moves. He's got a spear in one hand, and he's running really fast, and spears... Dan holds him up like this. Somebody else, shoot him in the face, shoot him in the face. They basically decapitate him. Got closer, got closer, got closer. When he got about 15 yards away from me, I raised that 12 gauge and I blow his head off. I feel something pulling at my leg. And I look over and there are two small gray entities pulling at me. And they're literally, I'm getting pulled off the bed. Reach my hand into this bush and I touch air. Couldn't breathe and I couldn't move because I know I'm seeing a monster. Yep. Welcome to the show, everybody. You're listening to The Confessionals. I'm your host, Tony Merkel. Thanks for being here. If you have a crazy, wild experience you want to share with me on the show, go ahead and shoot me an email. My email address is theconfessionals at theconfessionalspodcast.com. That's theconfessionals at theconfessionalspodcast.com. Or go to the website, theconfessionalspodcast.com. Hit the contact section and you can reach me that way as well. Either way works for me, just get a hold of me. Welcome to another members episode. Before we get into today's program, I just want to remind you members that we do have a archive that's going to be growing of audiobooks on the website for your listening pleasure. A lot of these audiobooks are dramatized, so they actually keep your attention more than the typical audiobook of somebody just reading the book. It actually has sound effects and really kind of draws you into the story. So if that interests you, go ahead, check that out on the website underneath the members tab. There is now an audiobooks section waiting for your listening pleasure. Now, this week we have Jesse coming on the show, and Jesse's actually from Tennessee, just on the other side of the state that I'm from. So she's about six hours from me. And I was sitting in the studio one day working and I got a news break on my phone saying that there was somebody in Tennessee that died, came back to life and was talking about what they saw on the other side. And I was like, well, that sounds right up my alley. I don't even think I read the article. I just was like, I need to find this person, found her name, found her on Facebook, contacted her. And she said, sure, I'll come on. And she came on the show today to talk about her experience dying and coming back to life and what she saw on the other side. She died going into this experience as an atheist. She came out saying she believes in nothing and everything at the same time. Very interesting perspective she has, and she comes forward to share all her experiences and her perspectives on the experiences right now. (laughs) 
Okay, today we got Jesse on again, right, Jesse? Yes. <laughs> Technical difficulties. Yeah, yeah, but it all works out. It happens. It happens a lot, Jesse. Don't even think about. Don't even think any twice about it because uh, we we get that a lot because you know it's technology's. You know, it doesn't always work the way you want it to work. So, uh, and it's a um, it's an after effect for near death experiencers, anyways, to have a weird influence on tech. So, is that right? Doesn't surprise me. Yes, it is. Wow. Yep. Okay. Well. Yep. Uh, well, on that note, everybody, this is Jesse, and she had an NDE, near-death experience. Yes. So, yes. Hi. Uh, well, I'm not going to try to reproduce the 10-minute uh, conversation we just had, uh, so we're just going to start fresh here. Uh, now, you had uh, an, an NDE, and I'm not sure exactly when this happened. I don't know. Honestly, I don't know much about your NDE. All I know is that I was sitting in my office. I, I had just gotten into my new studio and I was trying to set things up and I got a news break on my phone saying that, you know, some a Tennessee resident, because my app tells me news locally, that a Tennessee <laughs> resident had an NDE, a near-death experience. And I was like, oh, how about that? I opened it up and found you. And I was just thinking, man, that'd be really cool if I could talk to her and I found you on Facebook and you answered the call. So I appreciate that. Yep. Yeah. I, um, I think when we were talking just a second ago, I'd asked you which article, but yeah, about a year and a half ago, I had done an interview with Inside Edition with Betty Eady and Dr. Jeffrey Long. And it uh, always surprises me when I see other articles coming out of that, even after, you know, a year, because um, I'll just be scrolling through my newsfeed and I'm like, that's me. Somebody else has written something. Um, and it means a lot to me because I, I, I am so open about sharing my story because of how it helps um, other people. Um, I think when we were talking earlier, um, my interest in um, becoming a grief and loss therapist, um, end of life therapist, uh, I'm in grad school to do that. Um, so having this near-death experience background, I feel like is something that I definitely carry with me when I'm in sessions with clients. Um, and, and just <laughs> it's something I carry with me every second of my return life. It doesn't ever leave. Um, but I do feel like it's, um, it's a way to connect to others that I don't think most people generally allow themselves to open up and to have that deep connection. It's a deep spiritual connection with other people. What I talk about is not something that most people would talk about in a normal day-to-day -day conversation, but I'm ready to do it <laughs> anytime. So uh, I do feel like it helps people um, who've had experiences, um, whether they are also near-death experiences or just, um, just unexplainable events, and they don't have anybody to validate it. And they're maybe a little scared to share it because, you know, kind of feels a little crazy. Um, but yeah, I'm really glad that you reached out to me. I'm glad that I checked my messages when I did, cause I, I don't, I check them, but not regularly. Um, you and me both an everyday thing. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. So I was like, Oh yeah, I'll, I'll do a podcast. I think this is my third, third one. Um, but it's my first one where it's been a local host. So I was really excited to find out that you were also in my same state. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I was like, Hey, you're in Knoxville. Yeah, uh, new. I just moved down here from the Philadelphia area in April this year, and uh, I I love it here in Tennessee, and I'm yeah. never leaving. So, uh, yeah. Now, 
you had this NDE experience, uh, and when you first started talking about it, I guess you made a write-up or something like that, and you posted it somewhere, and your mom saw it, and she told you you needed to talk to your dad. Why was that? Because your yes. dad had something happen yes. too? Yes, so I, I'd had, I didn't believe in near-death experiences. It wasn't something that I you know, even thought would happen to me. Um, but yeah, about five months after it happened, I was sharing it. I had finally told my husband sharing it with very close friends of ours. Um, and they were like, Jesse, you need to write something about this. You need to tell people. And I was like, okay, well, I, I do find writing to be therapeutic. Um, so I wrote just kind of what happened to me in the hospital to tell people, um, cause I had a very, um, tumultuous hospital stay. I mean, I was, it, it was, it got crazy there for a little bit. It was supposed to be just a routine surgery and it ended up being a very real life and death situation. Um, and, you know, a lot of people just didn't know. And so I, in that writing, I kind of, I touched on the near-death experience. I didn't go into specifics because I didn't really know how to at that point. But when I shared it, I mean, it spread. I didn't, I didn't realize the impact that just sharing a, basically an essay about what happened to me in the hospital would spread as much as it did. And when my mom and dad read it, um, my mom was like, Hey, you need to talk to your dad. Um, because something like this happened to him. So when I talked to my dad, um, when I was about two years old, my, my, my paternal grandmother died. Um, so my dad was in a deep state of grief and, um, had an out of body experience where he felt like he was lifted above the world, um, met the light. And he said the way that I described the light, which is, um, ineffable, there's really no words in any language to describe the light. It is, it's, it's everything. Um, I get, I get like, I, I, I did this last time. I'm getting, I'm getting the chill bumps again. When I think about it, it's a somatic response. Um, and it's never gone away. And I love it when it happens, but it is, it kind of throws me off because I get these weird tinglys and I, I almost interrupt myself and it's literally happening right now. I, where was I? <laughs> Well, you you started explaining the oh, the, the light and stuff, and your dad. Uh, yes. Yeah. So go ahead. So my dad um, had met the light, and um, he said that the way that I described it was exactly how he felt when he saw it. He, he said that um, you know he's, he'd never told anybody; he'd only ever told my mom. And so for his daughter, who he'd never spoken about, his daughter ends up having you know a. a near-death experiencer. And I know some people get those terms kind of muddied a little bit. Some people will consider a near-death experience. Like I've had, if you de define a near-death experience as like, oh, I came so close to like, I almost died there. Like then I've had hundreds being a horseback rider, <laughs> like we've had plenty of close calls, but a near-death experience um, in, in the academic sense is when somebody has, um, they are either They've either had clinical death or they are close to death and they've had this phenomenological experience where they have, you know, out of body, um, usually encounters with the light. That's not always necessary. Um, but there's, you don't have to have, you don't have to be dead or near death to encounter the light. And I think that's what was going on with my dad. Um, because he wasn't close to death. So I would call his a spiritually transformative experience. Um, and then when you are close to death or have experienced clinical death, um, 
and you leave your body and you have a, a sense of type of consciousness when you shouldn't really, um, that would be a near-death experience. Um, there's plenty of researchers. There's a um, there's actually even a, a test um, that you can do called the Grayson's NDE scale that was um, made by Dr. Bruce Grayson. Um, and um, so if anybody's ever like, hey, I don't really know if I've had one, Google the Grayson NDE scale. Um, you can rate yourself on that, um, but it would give you all the elements of what an NDE would entail, at least in the academic sense. Uh, so yeah, it was really, it helped sharing that with my dad. I think it helped both of us. And then just the way that that little essay, just that little writing spread around the world, I was like, I didn't realize the impact that it would have, the ripple effect that it would make. Um, and it really did change my near-death experience itself changed the entire trajectory of my life. But being as vocal about it as I have been has also been part of that. And, you know, I get both sides. Uh, and for people who don't, don't believe in this, like, I'm also like, I fully support you. I know that what I am about to say is going to sound crazy or impossible or out of this world. And if you don't believe me, uh, that is also correct. You don't have to believe me. <laughs> I, I would not ever say anything that I felt was ingenuine. Um, I believe me and that's all that matters. And, um, it's amazing that when you do talk about it, how many people that you do encounter that have had these experiences and just, they don't have the words or the, the community support to be able to discuss them. Um, so in a way I feel like I'm advocating for that and for other people. That's really cool. Uh, before we get into your story on what you just said, uh, do you get a lot of people or have you had people reaching out to you that have had similar experiences that want to talk to you about it? Yeah. 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 Okay. Yep. Uh, you can almost, it's, what's really interesting is if I am in a physical space with another person who's had an experience like that, I can pick up on it. Really? So I will know even before they say anything. And I won't know why, but I will know that I am drawn to that person. I will always figure it out. Um, but yes, even uh, I get messages quite a bit from people. Um, and I, you know, some of the comments like on that inside edition interview are just me, the comments that, you know, when I scroll through, I see so many people sharing their own experiences or witnessing their loved ones on their deathbed who, you know, have said things as they were passing. Um, that validates like, you know, for them, it's like, oh, my grandmother was seeing, you know, her deceased husband and she was saying that everything would be okay. So it helps them too, I think, process their own grief journey. Um, it's just, I am, I am in a very, I feel like this, I take this very seriously. I feel like this is sacred and I'm very honored to be able to have a platform to be able to share my experience so that other people don't feel so alone. And yeah. Awesome. But yeah, I get both sides. I get the no way that happens and the um, yes, I believe her because it happened to me. So yeah. Well, I'll tell you, uh, our audience is very open-minded and they, uh, they think outside the box a lot. So when it comes to yeah. traditional thinking and traditional ways that people in society are taught to think, 
my audience doesn't fit that mold. They they march right. to the beat of their own drum. So I, I really I think you're on, on the right spot here for yeah. for them. Let me crack my knuckles because yeah, I'm about to take down a little ride. Back. Yeah, yeah. I feel like my they want you to unleash right now. They want you to <laughs> to like so tr- traditionally yeah. what we do with the show is uh, we hand it over to the guest and we let them okay. start from the beginning of their experience. What were they doing? Where were they? How did whatever mm-hmm. happen? And just go into your experience. And like I said to you before we started recording, feel free to say anything you want. I don't care if if you think, oh, he's going to think I'm crazy or he's not going to... Re- it doesn't matter if I agree with you or anything or the yeah. audience. No, I'm already, I'm, already, I'm already ready with that. Like, awesome. It wouldn't matter if yeah, you didn't agree with me or not. I, I would be very open. Perfect. Um, so yeah, it, what... I feel like it's important to, before we get to the very specific event that, that put me in my NDE, um, to state that um, prior to my near-death experience, I did not believe in them. I had no information about them. I was, um, I was raised Catholic, but when my best friend, it was me and my husband, my husband was in a band, and so we have a very close-knit band family. And one of our band brothers died. Um, so the band had kind of broken up for a few years, but we're still a family. And um, one of our brothers had died um, in June 9th, 2011. And I'm going to kick myself if that date is wrong. Pretty sure it was 9th. But 2011, and it was a um, sudden, traumatic, unexpected death. Um, that really hit our entire community hard, but especially those that loved Anthony. It was um, completely out of left field. And um, he died of a of an opioid overdose. And it was just, it's that type of grief was completely new to me. I didn't know that anything could hurt that bad. I, like, one of my thoughts was, um, God cannot exist if it hurts this much to lose somebody to to Him. Them. I, I'll say Him right now. I don't genderize God now, but back then I did. Um, so if it hurts this much to lose somebody, it, it it's impossible that there's nothing after death. That life was pointless. I mean, that was my grief journey. That life was pointless. That we're. I went straight to my biology roots I was a biology um major in in college and I was just like well evolution we live we die that's it you know still have a good life but that's all there is and um it's really heavy in my grief for a, a really long time about two years after Anthony died I started getting sick it was an and my symptoms were very obvious um but the doctors couldn't figure out what was wrong with me why I was losing weight, why I was covered in bruises, why I had, um, I was having like vaginal bleeding that was not part of my menstrual cycle. And it was getting worse and worse. I dropped about 40 pounds in four months and I was eating normally. So everything looked like the symptoms of cancer, but even like the uh, gynecological oncologist that I saw was like, I don't know what's wrong with you. Like none of your tests are like, Basically, it looked like I had cancer, but the tests were not showing that I had cancer. So at 31, 30, I turned 31 the month after. At 30 years old, they were like, after going through all of the steps, they were like, we need to maybe get in there and look at what's going on. 
said, fine, I'm, I'm ready to have the, I'm, I would take any diagnosis at this point because of the 10 months of tests and just being sicker and sicker and sicker, not knowing what was wrong with me. So I had a hysterectomy um, for any of the uh, people in your audience that have, you know, the uterus and ovary reproductive system. What I had removed was my uterus and my um, cervix, but I got to keep my ovaries. Um, and they did the biopsies and on that and everything was fine. And they were like, well, we still don't really know what was wrong with you. Um, but things should start improving at least. Um, we'll check back. I was released to go home after two nights. And it was when I got home that I was, um, started experiencing like the most intense pain I could have ever, most intense physical pain I could have ever experienced. Um, rushed me back to the hospital and they found out that I had internal bleeding. I had, it wasn't just that I had bled internally and then stopped. I was bleeding internally. So they readmitted me to the hospital. I had lost so much blood in my abdominal cavity. Um, some of this gets a little fuzzy and I'm requesting my hospital records. It's been long, a pretty long time. So this happened about May 22nd, 23rd of 2013. Um, but they had about, I, I just wasn't keeping blood in my system. It was just emptying into my abdominal cavity. They didn't know where it was coming from and it wasn't stopping. So I was this was a preview of today's member episode. If you want to hear the whole thing, head on over to the confessionalspodcast.com, hit the join button and become a member today.